Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So today, um, we are going to continue on our series on, uh, on who is God. And today, I want to, we're really actually going to really take a step in uh, to look at a part of God's character and God's nature that maybe we don't often think about when it comes to who God is. And what we talked about last week is that it's really easy for a lot of us to know a lot about God. It's easy for us to know a lot about who God is. Go to church for our, li- our whole lives or go to uh, church on Easter or on Christmas or Maybe you don't go to church at all, but you just are aware that maybe you believe there's a God or you don't know what, what, what it is. But the reality is, is that there's a lot of different ways for you and I to know a lot about God. But I want to help us understand how to know God. You know, when we, when we uh, think about the, the names of God, there's actually really only one real name of God. And the name of God is I Am. And the name I am would mean that he, the I am is constantly for you and the I am will constantly provide for you and the I am will constantly be there for you. And I am that I am. When God showed himself to Moses, he came to Moses and said, I am that I am. God, he is everything that you need in your life. He is every area of your life. He is the I am. But these Hebrew names of God, what it helps us do is not just understand about God, but we begin to understand more about him in a way where we can actually begin to experience him. You know, when you talk to my children about me as a father, you know, my, my kids just know I have a role. My role is to take care of my kids. My role is to protect my children. That's why I always carry a pen in my pocket because this is my weapon of mass destruction that if anyone comes up, I'm like, yeah, like that. I practice it all the time, but my job is to like <laughs> my job is to protect my children, and my job is to provide for my children, and my job is to make sure that my children are going the right direction, and my job is to make sure that there's conflict resolution between my my daughter and my son who fight like cats and dogs all the time. My job is to do all of these things, but my role is much different than their experiences with me. If you asked my, my kids, man, tell me about your dad, they say, at this place in life, they'd say, oh, my dad works and he makes money and, you know, he, 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 loves, um, he loves technology and, man, my dad loves playing board games and, man, my dad loves coffee and they would say things ab- about me. But if you really got into a conversation with my kids, I would hope that they would not just talk about my role or about me, but they'd say, oh, I have had a great experience with my dad. My dad is so caring and so handsome and wonderful. Just kidding. So caring and so kind and he's there for me and man, when I, when, I, when I have a tear, he wipes it away and when I'm feeling sad, I know that I can go to my dad. My dad is there every morning and every night. I know he's going to kiss me and be there with me and guide me. I would want my children to not just understand my role as a father, just to do my role. I want them to know who I am. I want them to have an experience with their dad where they understand the experiences that we have are there for them to know my nature and my character together. That is the goal of this series. Not that you would just understand who God is in a way where you'd know about him and you'd know it intellectually, you'd know it in your mind. I want you to know this in your heart. My prayer is that you would have a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ 
that you would know him and that you would love him and that you would want to give your life to him and that you would want to give your time to him and your finances to him and your efforts to him and your marriage to him and your relationships to him and that your entire life would be about knowing Jesus. There's literally nothing more valuable and important in your life than having a relationship with the Lord. And that would be my prayer. Today we're going to be talking about an aspect, in a, an aspect of God's nature and character that is very, very important to understand if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ that goes beyond just knowing about God. If you really want to know God, today is a really, really important topic. And not only is it important, it's actually a little bit hard to comprehend. It's a little bit hard for us to understand this reality of God because there's a part of it that we might not altogether like. As our nature would, would, would say to us that we don't quite understand or know if we like... Dallas is coming at me. I'm getting nervous. Okay. So look at these names in Jehovah Rapha. Let's look what it means. Jehovah Rapha means the Lord is healing. The Lord is restoring and mending. The Lord is whole, wholeness. Rapha means wholesome. Not run down anymore. To be healed to be sewn back together. Now, just before we continue, just so you know, Amy's recording these messages, and so if you missed the first part of our message this last week, you can go back and I lay a foundation of all the different belief and ideas of who God is across the world, and we talk about the difference between the different gods or the different belief systems and uh, the belief system that we would believe as followers of Jesus Christ. And we see that in the scripture, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is healing, the Lord Lord is restoring and mending. The Lord is whole, wholeness. Rapha is wholesome, not run down anymore, to be healed, to be sewn back together. And we learn about this verse in Exodus 15, 19, and it says, When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. For those of you who don't know this story, what happened in this story is that the God's people, I don't know if you remember the story of Joseph, but Joseph saved God's people by having a, a strategic plan on helping them during a time of famine. But what happened is, is 400 years after uh, this plan, they had forgotten about God and forgotten about Joseph. And now God's people were in Egypt being oppressed by Pharaoh and were slaves and oppressed and they were uh, being mistreated and they they were being dishonored and they were being taken advantage of and they were forced to be the lowest class in Egypt. And so here is God's people, God's chosen people, God's chosen race, God's chosen nation, the Jewish people. These were God's people. And here are God's people. For 400 years they were in slavery. 400 years they were mistreated. 400 years they were oppressed. 400 years they were the lowest on the totem pole in society. Don't you think that if you were born into slavery knowing that you were God's people, after a while you'd start to get a little bit frustrated that you were oppressed and in slavery and forced labor and you're supposed to be God's people. There was something that happened in God's people. When we come to our verse today, there was a deep bitterness in the people of God. Because the people of God had served in this capacity for so, so long. Where some kids were born into it and they died in it. They were in slavery their entire lives and all their lives they knew. We are God's 
people. We are God's chosen nation. We are God's royal priesthood. Then why are we being oppressed and in slavery? Finally, God sent a prince named Moses, and Moses was, uh, a, a, was a, a, actually a foster child, was adopted by Pharaoh's family and brought back, and his brother was now the Pharaoh, and he came back, and God spoke to him and said, I want you to eradicate, bring these people out of, of, of Egypt. And so he went, and God did plagues and all sorts of these signs to get Pharaoh to release the people, and when he released the people, they were running out. Finally, Pharaoh released them. They were running out of Egypt, running toward the Red Sea, and and Pharaoh came to his senses and realized these are all our workers. Almost 1.5 million people left Egypt that day and they're running towards the Red Sea. And when they got to the Red Sea, the people of Israel stood at the very edge and looked back and saw at the top of the hill all these Egyptian warriors were coming at them trying to stop them from crossing the Red Sea. And Pharaoh took out his lightsaber and slapped it on the water. And all of a sudden the water parted and the Red Sea parted and the people of Israel, 19 kilometers, ran across 1.5 million people across the Red Sea. And when they came out of the Red Sea, the scripture says that the water crashed down upon their enemies. And they came up to the top of the hill and they had built a memorial. Miriam wrote this beautiful song and she began to sing the song and the women began to dance and all the women in the, in the, in the city and the, and the people began to celebrate and then Moses began to say a prayer and they all began to pray together and they went from 400 years of oppression to now experiencing great salvation and they stand here in this verse today completely uh, set free and victorious no longer to be oppressed by the enemy of their past no longer to be oppressed and yet the future of their destiny that God had for them here they are in the season where they are standing with Egypt behind them. They've experienced the salvation of God. And then we come to our key text where Jehovah Rapha is mentioned in this verse in Exodus verse 15, 22. And it says this. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. And they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in the desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to an oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. The people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So here we are. They had just experienced great salvation. They now were led by God into the desert for three days with no water and no food, 1.5 million people standing in the middle of the desert with nothing to drink, and they find a little pool of water, and this pool of water just rests just above the sand, and they go down to drink it, and it is bitter. God brought them to a place where Mara was bitter. And the first reaction of these people was to complain and demand. First reaction of these people, God, what are you doing? <laughs> you brought me all the way here, three days, my child, my life, I've got all my belongings, we've got no food, we've got no water. What is going on? And then the next verse says this, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, a tree. And Moses threw the tree into the water, and this made the water good to drink. 
It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For here we go. I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. So here we are in a season of their life where they obeyed God, they, they obeyed their leader, they obeyed God's voice, they were led by God into this desert, three days, they experienced salvation, no water, no food, and the water they do have to drink is extremely bitter. Why would God lead them to this place? Why would God lead them to the pool? of Mara. Why would God lead them to the place of bitterness? God could have easily made the entire way perfectly safe before them. He could have healed the waters. He could have uh, caused there to be food. He could have made a way directly to the promised land. He could have kept them the whole entire way for this whole journey. The two-year journey would have taken them. They could have gotten there in no time. God could have gone before them. Why would God lead them to this place? And I believe it's because Mara was like a mirror. These people of Israel had been in Egypt for so long under the oppression of slavery that I believe that God recognized that they could not go any farther in their journey until they dealt with their bitterness. That the bitterness that they had, the response of the demand and the complaining and the anger, God, we've been through this already. I don't want to go through this again. You're leading me, God. I'm here because of you. There was a deep bitterness in these people that they had not dealt with before. And they were not able to go past that point until they could begin to deal with the bitterness that was in their life. Bitterness is the world's deadliest disease. That night, I imagine, that when they came to Mara and they were elated and they were now they were tired and they were frustrated and they were angry and Mara's water was bitter, I imagine at that moment, they went back to their tents and they were just begin to grumble and they begin to be angry. And there's two different, two different things that they did. First, they, they, what we often do is we, we, we say it's man's fault. It was, that, it was my dad who beat me. It was my, my brother who mistreated me. It was that pastor who misused me. It was that situation and that, that, and that accident. We, we point our finger at people and we say that it is man's fault. Or we blame it on God, which ultimately, as we start the journey, we blame it on man. But in reality, the focus is on people. But the disappointment is actually with God. Now, I know this morning, you're saying, Ryan, this is going to be heavy. Yeah, a little bit because that's what the name is. But I want you to know, it will end on a happy note. Don't worry. <laughs> so just hang with me for a minute. I believe the Lord spoke to me this week and said, Ryan, if the people of Love City Church can deal with their bitterness, I will do something in this church. I will pour out my, my blessing on this church. I will minister into their lives. I will impact them like never before. Uh, the Lord spoke very clearly to me and said, Ryan, there's people that in this church that are stuck because of bitterness in their past. And today I'm going to preach the word to you because I know God wants to break that in your life. He wants to heal you. Amen. Jehovah Rapha wants to come and heal your heart. The bitterness that came out of this pool affects every relationship in your life. It affects your church life. It affects your job life. It affects every area of your life. This bitterness that we feel often, what it does is it impacts how we live. 
often it goes back to a crisis in our life or we look back to when we were children or we look back to when my, 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 my situation in my home or a lot of us have experiences at churches where a pastor did something wrong or someone in the church mistreated you and so we just think man like that person and, and ultimately every single time we have a disappointment with a person every single time it always leads back ultimately to us having disappointment with God disappointment with how things went, disappointment with how my life turned out. My marriage wasn't supposed to end in divorce like that. Why did they go off the rails? I did everything that I could. I, I prayed and I sought God and I fasted and I sent my kids to church and I did all these things and now I still end up in a divorce that ended brutally. Why does that make any sense to anybody when I was serving God? Ultimately, it all ends with a disappointment with God. And this thing will keep us this thing will keep us from moving forward in our lives. And there's a deep pain in us. And we want to know, God, why? Of all the years I've been pastoring, of all the years, that's 17 years now I've been pastoring, the situation is always the same. Whenever I share with somebody who can't get past certain things in their life, they can't journey farther in the walk with God, it always comes back to that. And if you've spent any time with me, I'll come to this question. Hey, have you ever considered that maybe you're disappointed with God? Well, no, it's not my God. It's this, but no, actually, ultimately, there's an issue there with God. You know, I don't believe that all sickness and, and all, I don't believe all sin and bitterness lead to sickness, but I do believe that many of us could be sick in body because we're holding on to something of our past. I do believe that our physical bodies will reflect what's going on in our heart, in our soul, and in our spirit. And I wonder sometimes if individuals, if there, maybe there's something in their life where they're holding on to, to bitterness and pain of the past, if they would just let that go in their life, that God would come and minister to their lives. And because often our bodies will reflect what's going on in our heart. Our bodies will reflect what's going on in our spirit. For all these years of pastoring people, I realize that, man, disappointment with God and bitterness in our lives is one of the main ways in which you and I can stay stuck in our lives. Yeah, Look at this verse in Revelations. This is talking about the end times. Revelations 8, 10 to 12, the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one third of the rivers, interesting, of the springs of water. And the name of the star was Bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. Isn't it interesting that in the end times, a star will come from heaven, and it will cause all the waters of the earth to be bitter, meaning that in the end, a third of the population will be infected with this disease of bitterness. Look at the scripture in Hebrews 12, 5. Look after each other, or 15, so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Interesting. So none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Therefore, you've got to watch out for that poisonous root of bitterness that grows up to trouble you. Look, at it. it's a deep, deep root that gets its roots deep down into your life. And the fruit that it produces in your life is trouble. And the trouble that it impacts is everyone around you. If you've ever been around a bitter person, and I'm, I've been that person, Bitter people tend to always talk about what they're bitter about. This is a prophetic picture that Paul talked about how this poison can get into our spirit and it can get down deep into our lives and down deep into our hearts and cause the fruit of that is trouble in our lives. And I've been here. I get angry even thinking about it. <laughs> Many of you know my story, and I, I'm sorry to repeat it, but for those of you who don't, I, maybe I, I haven't had 
your situation or been in your shoes or been in your life, but I, was, I gave my entire life to serve God. I came all the way. I packed everything up in my home and I spent tons of money. I lost thousands of dollars and quit a great job because I felt God called me to go to Calgary, Alberta. And I got there and guess what? I was only there for 10 months and I had to pack my stuff up again and move back down to the States. And here I am just trying to serve God. And yet that situation ended with me almost having a mental breakdown. I thought, God, this doesn't make any sense. I obeyed you. I followed you. I brought my whole family up here. I spent tons of money up here. And now that's falling apart. Or then I went to this next church, and the next church I was at was good for a while, but then after a while, something went haywire, and it, we just, the, the, we had a falling out with the pastor the, to the point where I was so angry with God and so upset at the, every local church in this city can just go to hell in a handbasket because this whole thing's ridiculous, and Christians are ridiculous, and God is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This is just where I sat in my own house with my Bible that I gave my whole life to do and it gathered dust because I knew if I read Read that stinking book, it's going to convict me. I'm not reading that book. <laughs> My wife came to you one day and out of fear and said, Ryan, I'm not sure you're, are you doing okay? I'm, I'm nervous that you're going to fall away from the Lord because I was so bitter because I deserve something better than this. I remember my business wasn't doing well. We were living on credit card debt. I wasn't going to church. I hated the church. I hated church people. I hated you. I'm standing in a home, my, my very close friend paid me 20 bucks an hour to demo a house because I couldn't afford it. And I was normally making like $65, $70 an hour. So this is a bit of a humbling thing to do $20 an hour. I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'm pounding away and I put up earbuds in my ear and I turned on a podcast and the podcast just came on and it was a guy named Robert Morris talking about forgiveness. And at that moment, Jehovah Rapha, came in the room. And I felt like he said to me, Ryan, you've you got to let go. I had to make a decision. I'm not going to let this rule my life any longer. And I began to weep. In the meantime, I didn't even realize it. Unconsciously, I was banging this. It was cursing, forgive me. But I was banging my hammer against the wall out of anger and frustration until finally out of the bellows of my stomach came, I forgive you! It was like, oh. I began to feel this like, oh my gosh, this is Jehovah Rapha. I began to experience God like I had Never experienced him before. So I've been in this, the season of Mara where I've looked at the mirror of my life and realized that if I don't let this go, Jehovah Rapha can't come and do what he does best in our lives. Is heal us. I personal hardship to this because God could have made it all better. God could have wiped every single person out in Israel and said, oh, I'm starting over. You guys are complaining bunch. I'm going to do this over. Let's start afresh. It's just like he did with the ark. It was like, all right, get it over with. Let's start afresh. 
I mean, you just, God could have done all that, but he did not do that. He came in because he was willing to come in and reveal himself and to reveal his nature and to reveal his character when they were full of bitterness and they were demanding and they were uh, complaining and they were angry, angry at God, angry at people. Jehovah Rapha came in all of his gentleness and all of his kindness and all of his love and all of his faithfulness and he came in and he just loved them. He just cared for them. He just mended them and he healed them and he poured out his love on them. He could have destroyed all of them, but he didn't because that's not what Jehovah Rapha does. And in just one moment, they discovered the nature and the character of God and he wanted them to know this is what I am like. I throw something into the bitterness of your heart, into the waters of bitterness of your heart. I throw my word there. I throw my spirit there. And it becomes sweet again. It is healed once again. Look at these verses in 2 Kings 19. The people of the city said to Elisha, look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. So he says, look, I can look at the situation and see on the outside, you look like you got it all together, don't you? On the outside, you look like you got things figured out. On the outside, you're going through the motions. But on the inside, you're well. Your water is bitter. And there's no fresh life. Look what Elisha did. He said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in a bird, just like our story in Exodus. So they brought it to him and he went out to the spring and threw the salt into, into it, saying, this is what the Lord says, I've healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive, and the water has remained pure. He said, listen, I want to come, and Jehovah Rapha wants to come, and he wants to bring fresh life on the inside. He wants to heal that bitterness on the inside. You can only pretend that there's not a problem for so long, and your physical body will begin to, will begin to manifest what's going on on the inside of you. You won't be able to make relationships with people. You won't be able to stay in a faith community for very long. You won't be able to stay consistent in your job because the bitterness in as he comes and says cause death deep in your heart what Rafa does is he comes and says I know you want it to look good but I'm going to come deep in your heart and I'm going to heal that bitterness in your life look at this next verse in Ezekiel 47 he said to them this water flows toward the eastern region of and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea and when it empties into the Dead Sea the salty water there becomes fresh it becomes healed this is what Jehovah Rapha does. He comes into your heart in the areas of your death, in the areas of unfruitfulness, in the areas of your discouragement, in the areas of your, yes, but my dad and my coworker and my pastor, yes, all those things are real. You were hurt. You were pained. You were sinned against. You were wrong. No, did you deserve it? Absolutely not. But it doesn't change the reality that sometimes in life we get wounded and Rapha comes and he wants to heal your life so that you can move forward in your life. Yeah, he wants you to move forward. He wants to heal your heart. Right. Something very interesting about this verse, though, that I have to share with you. It would actually be biblically inaccurate for me not to reveal this to you. I could keep it out. And I could end it right here on like a, a good old war chant. Woohoo! Let's go! But I, I would not be a great... Pastor, if I did not share this part of this story. It's interesting because if you study the idea of Jehovah Rapha through Scripture, 
Every single time you experience Jehovah Rapha, you experience another revelation of God's name that I didn't realize until the end of this week. I realized there's another revelation of God. In fact, Jehovah Rapha is the gateway to different revelations of God in your life. It's really interesting. If you read through the verse, you'll see that the context of where they met Jehovah Rapha was in the moment when they were in the season of testing, in a season of grumbling. God led them to the, the waters of Mara in order to cause there to be a mirror to test their heart to see how they would respond. Every single time you are in a bitter situation or you are in a place where you can't move forward, what God does is Jehovah Rapha wants to present himself to you, but there is a revelation of God based on your response. And so actually we find in the scripture, in Exodus 15.25, there the Lord issued a ruling and instructions for them and put them to the test. Whenever we see Jehovah Rapha, based on your response, if I, Jehovah Rapha, comes and I say, nope, you know what, God? No way. I am not going to let go of what's happened in my life. Then you will experience a revelation of Jehovah Makkah. Jehovah Makkah means the Lord who disciplines. The actual King James Version, which I changed because it's really scary, the Lord who smiteth. <laughs> Every single time you experience a moment in your life where God brings a mirror to your heart and says, okay, young man, son and daughter, you got to get over this bitterness and you reject it, you will experience a revelation of Jehovah Makkah. And see, we see all throughout Scripture, look at this in Hebrews 12, verse 5. Have you forgotten that the encouraging word God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Why would God discipline me? Because he loves you. Why would God allow me to go through this? Because he loves you. For those of you who don't have children in this room, you might not get it until you have kiddos. But the reality is, is that God does this because he loves you. Look what it says. He punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating Sorry, someone texted me and I lost my place. As you endure this divine discipline, remember this, God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. God then goes, goes on to talk about Egypt and how Egypt was wayward. He says, okay, in this next verse, those people, Egyptians, they will follow me. They will sacrifice to me. They will be my children. But first, I have to smite them. I have to discipline them. Look what he says. The Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians. Yes, they will know the Lord and will give their sacrifices and offerings to him. They will make a vow to the Lord and will keep it. But the Lord will Jehovah Makkah Egypt and then he will bring Jehovah Rapha. So you cannot experience the healing of God until we 
embrace the discipline of God. And often in life, as you know, as a child does, they want to reject the discipline of God because I don't feel I deserve it and I don't like it. You know what? This ain't fair, God. I don't like you disciplining me like that. He says, son, I do it because I love you and you cannot experience the healing touch of my power until you yield yourself to the discipline that I want in your life, until you yield yourself to the punishment that I'm giving you. It's like my son Ezra. He's a wonderful young man, but he's a little bit challenging. He's just like me. (laughs) Ezra? is a young man that when I say something one time, Brea will do it right away. Ezra takes about 15 times. Ezra, take out the trash. Ezra, take out the trash. Ezra, take out the trash. And about 15 times, like, take out the trash! (laughs) I'm not kidding. I do that. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a terrible dad. Whatever. (laughs) 15th time. Ezra, I want first-time obedience. Because when God comes to speak to you, and he says, son, I want you to stop doing that. You don't have 15 chances to not get it right. You got to respond right away when God speaks to you. Therefore, next time, I want first-time obedience. And guess what, son? You're going to have a punishment. We have levels of punishment. You're going to have punishment. And this is two ways he responds. This morning at 6 a.m. because he kept getting out of bed. I went over to him. I grabbed his hand real firm. I looked at him. I said, son, this is not acceptable. You need to stop this right now. It's 5.45 in the morning. Please stop it. (laughs) He reacted. And then I said, come here. He came in and he just, Dad, I just want to be with you and Mom. I had a bad dream. He's lying, by the way. <laughs> but his heart was soft. He was pliable. Yeah, Dad, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. You're right, Dad. I hugged him and I rubbed his back and I kissed him. And he just had tears in his eyes. And he just, he experienced Jehovah Rapha. But then, another day. <laughs> Ezra? You need to stop doing that, son. There's going to be a consequence. Dad, that's not fair, Dad. That's not fair. Brea does it all the time. That's not fair, Dad. I don't like that, Dad. I don't like how it makes me feel. And guess what? The punishment continues longer and gets so more severe. Okay, fine. Every time this, every night this week, you're going to bed 10 minutes early. Also, you're going to get a spank. Also, you're going to get that toy taken away. Also, you're not going to be able to watch that movie. Also, 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 the discipline will continue until you humble yourself and realize that Jehovah Rapha wants to love and heal you. But you have to respond accordingly to Jehovah Makkah. And this is where many Christians are today. We have this idea that we don't deserve the waters of Mara. I don't deserve the waters of Mara. I don't deserve the no food, the no, I, I don't deserve that because I'm God's child. You are God's child. And my kids deserve everything, but there's some things that just aren't good for them. Many of you here today have been carrying on pain in your life where someone has offended you, someone has hurt you. Maybe you've been sexually abused, physically abused. Maybe you've been through a terrible divorce. I can't even begin to understand what it might feel like to be in, those sho- in your shoes. And I don't, also, I don't expect this to be a switch on and off where today you're just going to walk away and you're, you know, you're just going to be like it never happened. That's not the case. It's a journey to go through the, the love and, and the, the partnership and the care of Jehovah Rapha. He will come and heal you and he will come and partner with you and he will come and guide you and he will come and lead you. And it could take two years, maybe three years to get to the place where now, guess what? The guy who offended me in, in our church, who, who was terrible me, he's an elder at our church. Guess what? Five or six people who were in that original church 12 years ago are in our church. Because I responded. And I wouldn't allow this bitterness to hold me and carry me any longer. 
had to allow Jehovah Rapha to come and impact my life. If you can't accept Jehovah Rapha, you're going to experience Jehovah Makkah. But he does it because he loves you. I'm just going to shotgun you with some scriptures. Consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin, for though he wounds, he also bandages and he strikes, but his hands also heal. This is Job who lost his wife, all of his kids, his business. He was brutally sick to the point of having to take slate to push off the skin off of his body. He lost friends. He had nothing. He had nothing, and this was his response. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the dis discipline of the Almighty when you sin. Look at this, 1 Peter 6 and 7. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire, tests, and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. James, you love this one. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. But you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. When, for, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be made perfect and complete, needing. Here they are at the bitter waters of Mara. Bitter that they had been slaves for 400 years. Bitter that they had been in the desert for three days with no food and no water. And Jehovah Rapha revealed himself. And look at this verse 27 that we haven't read yet. After leaving the season of bitterness, the Israelites traveled on to an oasis of Elam where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camped there beside the water. This was the 70, 70 or uh, almost a two mile long extensive way of oasis water. What's crazy is that word Elam, the pronoun form of that word Elam is the same word used as a ram in the thicket. Exact same word. The last week in Genesis 22, when Abraham chose to give his heart to God, he revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh and provided a ram in the thicket. That when he experienced the bitterness in our life and we respond, Jehovah Rapha comes. And then we experience a revelation of Jehovah Jireh where we experience the blessing and the provision. We get to camp near the waters of Elam in the oasis and live near Jehovah Jireh, where he reveals himself and he brings his plans on your life and his purposes, and he constantly is providing for you with all of your needs in your life. You camp next to this wonderful place of Elam. And what brought you there is you responded right to Jehovah Rapha. So in our lives, Bitterness in your life. There's two ways to respond. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna move forward. No, I can't give up. I'm not gonna give that up. Okay, well then, Jehovah Makkah. Okay, God wants to come. I got bitterness. Well, okay, God, I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let you have it. Okay, Jehovah Jireh. You see how that works? You are experiencing the revelation of God in your life. At every point, He will reveal Himself to you. But my prayer today is that when Jehovah Rapha comes into your life, whatever bitterness that you might be holding on to, that you would just let it go and start moving forward in your journey towards the promised land of your life because God wants to bless you so much. Would you stand with me this morning? appreciate you letting me have a little more, a few more moments. You didn't let me, I just took it, but whatever. 
Would you bow your heads for a minute, close your eyes, and we're going to pray. If you could for a moment, just in the last few seconds here, just really concentrate on my words. I believe prophetically, I believe today this is a moment for some of you. We've heard this word today and it's identified with some areas of your life where you've been hurt and wounded and you've been holding on to that thing in your life. It has kept you back. It has kept you from moving forward. It's, it's kept you back in life. And today I believe that Jehovah Rapha wants to come and he wants to heal you. He wants to put you back together. He wants to come and bring health and life to your, to your spirit and to, to your soul and bring such abundant water that you will never thirst again. Come on, I'm going to ask two questions here today. If you're here today and you say, Ryan, every eye closed, do not embarrass anybody today. Ryan, that's me today. I've just got some bitterness in my life. I've got some resentment. I'm holding on to some stuff that I would like to maybe go on a journey to let go today. Well, that's you. Would you just quickly put your hand in the air? I won't embarrass you. I won't pull you forward. I just want to see your hand, and then we'll keep praying. All right, go ahead and put your hand down. Lots of people throughout the room. Tons of folks. Come on, you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ, and you say, you know what, Ryan, I'd like to know this Jehovah Rapha. You're here today, and you don't know God. You've never started a journey in your relationship with God, and you'd like to do that today. Would you just quickly place your hand in the air real quick, shoot it up in the air, and then put it down. I won't pull, the, I won't pull you forward or anything like that. I just want to pray with you. Come on, Father, right now I pray for the countless hands in this room today, Lord, in the area of bitterness. Father, I know how hard this is, God. It can control our behavior, our mindset, our lives. And right now, Jehovah Rapha, I pray that you would come right now and you would encounter them and that you would begin to minister to them and that you would give them the strength and the ability, Father, to forgive and to move forward in life. And Lord, the reality is, is that the situation might not change. The person that hurt them might not, Lord, go off the planet like they want them to. But Lord, the situation might not change, but God, you can change our hearts. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, for these hands that are lifted. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would minister to their hearts and minister to their minds and minister to their lives and there would be a breakthrough in their hearts. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that there would be breakthrough in their lives today, oh God, that this would no longer hold them back. They would no longer be stuck, oh God, but you would bring, Father, Jehovah Rapha would bring healing and mending and joy like never before. That's my prayer. I pray that there will be joy bubbling up in their hearts today, oh God. Joy exuding out of who they are, knowing that, Father, you have finally given them the strength to let go, to forgive. For those who are experiencing Jehovah Makkah right now, I pray that they would respond well, Father they would consider it pure joy that they get to know you better. Father, I just pray right now for all those in the room, God, who want to give their life to you. Come on, church, would you pray after me? Repeat after me real loud. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. Come on, church, real loud. I ask you to come and minister to my heart. I give you every area of my life. I confess every sin in my life. I acknowledge you are God. Come into my life today and do something fresh in my heart. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.